Chapter Three, Part One of Hilda Wade. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Hilda Wade, a woman with tenacity of purpose, by Grant Allen. Chapter Three, Part One. THE EPISODE OF THE WIFE WHO DID HER DUTY To make you understand my next yarn, I must go back to the date of my introduction to Hilda. It is witchcraft, I said the first time I saw her at Legate's luncheon party. She smiled a smile which was bewitching indeed, but by no means witch-like, a frank, open smile, with just a touch of natural feminine triumph in it. No, not witchcraft she answered, helping herself with her dainty fingers to a burnt almond from the Venetian glass-dish. Not witchcraft, memory, aided perhaps by some native quickness of perception. Though I say it myself, I never met anyone, I think, whose memory goes quite as far as mine does. You don't mean quite as far back, I cried jesting, for she looked about twenty-four and had cheeks like a ripe nectarine just as pink and just as softly downy she smiled again showing a row of semi-transparent teeth with a gleam in the depths of them she was certainly most attractive she had that indefinable incommunicable unanalyzable personal quality which we know as charm no not as far back she repeated though indeed i often seem to remember things that happened before i was born like queen elizabeth's visit to kenilworth i recollect so vividly all that i have heard or read about them but as far in extent i mean i never let anything drop out of my memory as this case shows you i can recall even quite unimportant and casual bits of knowledge when any chance clue happens to bring them back to me she had certainly astonished me the occasion for my astonishment was the fact that when i handed her my card dr hubert ford cumberledge st nathaniel's hospital she had glanced at it for a second and exclaimed without sensible pause or break oh then of course you are half welsh as i am the instantaneous and apparent inconsecutiveness of her inference took me aback well yes i am half welsh i replied my mother came from carnivorshire but why then and of course i fail to perceive your train of reasoning she laughed a sunny little laugh like one well accustomed to receive such inquiries fancy asking a woman to give you the train of reasoning for her intuitions she cried merrily that shows dr cumberledge that you are a mere man a man of science perhaps but not a psychologist it also suggests that you are a confirmed bachelor a married man accepts intuitions without expecting them to be based on reasoning well just this once i will stretch a point to enlighten you if i recollect right your mother died about three years ago you are quite correct then you knew my mother oh dear me no i never even met her why then her look was mischievous 
but unless i mistake i think she came from henriqued near bangor wales is a village i exclaimed catching my breath every welsh person seems to know all about every other my new acquaintance smiled again when she smiled she was irresistible a laughing face protruding from a cloud of diaphanous drapery now shall i tell you how i came to know that she asked poising a glazed cherry on her desert fork in front of her shall i explain my trick like the conjurers conjurers never explain anything i answered they say so you see that's how it's done with a swift whisk of the hand and leave you as much in the dark as ever don't explain like the conjurers but tell me how you guessed it she shut her eyes and seemed to turn her glance inward about three years ago she began slowly like one who reconstructs with an effort a half-forgotten scene i saw a notice in the times births deaths and marriages on the twenty-seventh of october was it the twenty-seventh the keen brown eyes opened again for a second and flashed inquiry into mine quite right i answered nodding i thought so on the twenty-seventh of october at brynmore bournemouth emily alwyn josephine widow of the late thomas cambelidge sometime colonel of the seventh bengal regiment of foot and daughter of yolo gwyn ford esq j p of henry quaid near bangor am i correct she lifted her dark eyelashes once more and flooded me you are quite correct i answered surprised and that is really all that you knew of my mother absolutely all the moment i saw your card i thought to myself in a breath ford cambelidge what do i know of those two names i have some link between them ah yes found mrs cambelidge wife of colonel thomas cambelidge of the seventh bengals was a miss ford daughter of a mr ford of bangor that came to me like a lightning gleam then i said to myself again dr hubert ford cambelidge must be their son so there you have the train of reasoning women can reason sometimes i had to think twice though before i could recall the exact words of the times notice and you can do the same with everyone everyone oh come now that is expecting too much i have not read marked learnt and inwardly digested everyone's family announcements i don't pretend to be the peerage the clergyalist and the london directory rolled into one i remembered your family all the more vividly no doubt because of the pretty and unusual old welsh names olven and jolo gwyn ford which fixed themselves on my memory by their mere beauty everything about wales always attracts me my welsh side is uppermost but i have hundreds oh thousands of such facts stored and pigeonholed in my memory if anybody else cares to try me she glanced round the table perhaps we may be able to test my power that way two or three of the company accepted her challenge giving the full names of their sisters or brothers and in three cases out of five my witch was able to supply either the notice of their marriage or some other like published circumstance 
in the instance of charlie Beer, it is true she went wrong just at first though only in a single small particular it was not charlie himself who was gazetted to a sub-lieutenancy in the warwickshire regiment but his brother walter however the moment she was told of this slip she corrected herself at once and added like lightning ah yes how stupid of me i have mixed up the names charles cassilis vere got an appointment on the same day in the rhodesian mounted police didn't he which was in point of fact quite accurate but i am forgetting that all this time i have not even now introduced my witch to you hilda wade when i first saw her was one of the prettiest cheeriest and most graceful girls i have ever met a dusky blonde brown-eyed brown-haired with a creamy waxen whiteness of skin that was yet warm and peachy downy and i wish to insist from the outset upon the plain fact that there was nothing uncanny about her in spite of her singular faculty of insight which sometimes seemed to illogical people almost weird or eerie she was in the main a bright well-educated sensible winsome lawn-tennis playing english girl her vivacious spirits rose superior to her surroundings which were often sad enough but she was above all things wholesome unaffected and sparkling a gleam of sunshine she laid no claim to supernatural powers she held no dealings with familiar spirits she was simply a girl of strong personal charm endowed with an astounding memory and a rare measure of feminine intuition her memory she told me she shared with her father and all her father's family they were famous for their prodigious faculty in that respect her impulsive temperament and quick instincts on the other hand descended to her she thought from her mother and her welsh ancestry externally she seemed thus at first sight little more than the ordinary pretty light-hearted english girl with a taste for field sports especially riding and a native love for the country but at times one caught in the brightened color of her lustrous brown eyes certain curious undercurrents of depth of reserve and of a questioning wistfulness which made you suspect the presence of profounder elements in her nature from the earliest moment of our acquaintance indeed i can say with truth that hilda wade interested me immensely i felt drawn her face had that strange quality of compelling attention for which we have as yet no english name but which everybody recognizes you could not ignore her she stood out she was the sort of girl one was constrained to notice it was legate's first luncheon party since his second marriage big-bearded genial he beamed round on us jubilant he was proud of his wife and proud of his recent q c ship the new mrs legate sat at the head of the table handsome capable self-possessed a vivid vigorous woman and a model hostess though still quite young she was large and commanding everybody was impressed by her such a good mother to those poor motherless children all that ladies declared in a chorus of applause and indeed 
she had the face of a splendid manager i said as much in an undertone over the ices to miss wade who sat beside me though i ought not to have discussed them at their own table hugo legate seems to have made an excellent choice i murmured mace and etty will be lucky indeed to be taken care of by such a competent stepmother don't you think so my witch glanced up at her hostess with a piercing dart of the keen brown eyes held her wine-glass half-raised and then electrified me by uttering in the same low voice audible to me alone but quite clearly and unhesitatingly these astounding words i think before twelve months are out mr legate will have murdered her for a minute i could not answer so startling was the effect of this confident prediction one does not expect to be told such things at lunch over the port and peaches about one's dearest friends beside their own mahogany and the assured air of unfaltering conviction with which hilda wade said it to a complete stranger took my breath away why did she think so at all and if she thought so why choose me as the recipient of her singular confidences i gasped and wondered what makes you fancy anything so unlikely i asked aside at last behind the babel of voices you quite alarm me she rolled a mouthful of apricot ice reflectively on her tongue and then murmured in a similar aside don't ask me now some other time will do but i mean what i say believe me i do not speak at random she was quite right of course to continue would have been equally rude and foolish i had perforce to bottle up my curiosity for the moment and wait till my sibyl was in the mood for interpreting after lunch we adjourned to the drawing-room almost at once hilda wade flitted up with her brisk step to the corner where i was sitting oh dr cumberledge she began as if nothing odd had occurred before i was so glad to meet you and have a chance of talking to you because i do so want to get a nurse's place at st nathaniel's a nurse's place i exclaimed a little surprised surveying her dress of palest and softest indian muslin for she looked to me far too much of a butterfly for such serious work do you really mean it or are you one of the ten thousand modern young ladies who are in quest of a mission without understanding that missions are unpleasant nursing i can tell you is not all crimped cap and becoming uniform i know that she answered growing grave i ought to know it i am a nurse already at st george's hospital you are a nurse and at st george's yet you want to change to nathaniel's why st george's is in a much nicer part of london and the patients there come on an average from a much better class than ours in smithfield i know that too but sebastian is at st nathaniel's and i want to be near sebastian professor sebastian i cried my face lighting up with a gleam of enthusiasm at our great teacher's name ah if it is to be under sebastian that you desire i can see you mean business i know now you are in earnest in earnest she echoed 
that strange deeper shade coming over her face as she spoke while her tone altered yes i think i am in earnest it is my object in life to be near sebastian to watch him and observe him i mean to succeed but i have given you my confidence perhaps too hastily and i must implore you not to mention my wish to him you may trust me implicitly i answered oh yes i saw that she put in with a quick gesture of course i saw by your face you were a man of honour a man one could trust or i would not have spoken to you but you promise me i promise you i replied naturally flattered she was delicately pretty and her quaint oracular air so incongruous with the dainty face and the fluffy brown hair piqued me not a little that special mysterious commodity of charm seemed to pervade all she did and said so i added and i will mention to sebastian that you wish for a nurse's place at nathaniel's as you have had experience and can be recommended i suppose by legate's sister with whom she had come no doubt you can secure an early vacancy thanks so much she answered with that delicious smile it had an infantile simplicity about it which contrasted most piquantly with her prophetic manner only i went on assuming a confidential tone you really must tell me why you said that just now about hugo legate recollect your delphian utterances have gravely astonished and disquieted me hugo is one of my oldest and dearest friends and i want to know why you have formed this sudden bad opinion of him not of him but of her she answered to my surprise taking a small norwegian dagger from the what-not and playing with it to distract attention come come now i cried drawing back you are trying to mystify me this is deliberate seermongery you are presuming on your powers but i am not the sort of man to be caught by horoscopes i decline to believe it she turned on me with a meaning glance those truthful eyes fixed me i am going from here straight to my hospital she murmured with a quiet air of knowledge talking i mean to say like one who really knows this room is not the place to discuss this matter is it if you will walk back to st george's with me i think i can make you see and feel that i am speaking not at haphazard but from observation and experience her confidence roused my most vivid curiosity when she left i left with her the legates lived in one of those new streets of large houses on campton hill so that our way eastward lay naturally through kensington gardens it was a sunny june day when light pierced even through the smoke of london and the shrubberies breathed the breath of white lilacs now what did you mean by that enigmatical saying i asked my new cassandra as we strolled down the scent-laden path woman's intuition is all very well in its way but a mere man be excused if he asks for evidence she stopped short as i spoke and gazed full into my eyes her hand fingered her parasol handle i meant what i said she answered with emphasis within one year mr legate will have murdered his wife 
you may take my word for it legate i cried never i know the man so well a big good-natured kindly schoolboy he's the gentlest and best of mortals legate a murderer impossible her eyes were far away has it never occurred to you she asked slowly with her pythoness air that there are murders and murders murders which depend in the main upon the murderer and also murders which depend in the main upon the victim the victim what do you mean well there are brutal men who commit murder out of sheer brutality the ruffians of the slums and there are sordid men who commit murder for sordid money the insurers who want to forestall their policies the poisoners who want to inherit property but have you ever realized that there are also murders who become so by accident through their victim's idiosyncrasy i thought all the time while i was watching mrs legate that woman is of the sort predestined to be murdered and when you asked me i told you so i may have been imprudent still i saw it and i said it but this is second sight i cried drawing away do you pretend to prevision no not second sight nothing uncanny nothing supernatural but prevision yes prevision based not on omens or auguries but on solid fact on what i have seen and noticed explain yourself o oh prophetess she let the point of her parasol make a curved trail on the gravel and followed its serpentine wavings with her eyes you know our house surgeon she asked at last looking up of a sudden what travers oh intimately then come to my ward and see after you have seen you will perhaps believe me nothing that i could say would get any further explanation out of her just then you would laugh at me if i told you she persisted you won't laugh when you have seen it we walked on in silence as far as hyde park corner there my swings tripped lightly up the steps of st george's hospital get mr travers's leave she said with a nod and a bright smile to visit nurse wade's ward then come up to me there in five minutes i explained to my friend the house surgeon that i wished to see certain cases in the accident ward of which i had heard he smiled a restrained smile nurse wade no doubt but of course gave me permission to go up and look at them stop a minute he added and i'll come with you when we got there my witch had already changed her dress and was waiting for us demurely in the neat dove-colored gown and smooth white apron of the hospital nurses she looked even prettier and more meaningful so than in her ethereal outside summer cloud muslin come over to this bed she said at once to travers and myself without the least air of mystery i will show you what i mean by it nurse wade has remarkable insight travers whispered to me as we went i can believe it i answered look at this woman she went on aside in a low voice no not the first bed the one beyond it number sixty i don't want the patient to know you are watching her do you observe anything odd about her appearance she is uh, somewhat the same type i began as mrs before i could get out the words legate her warning eye and puckering forehead had stopped me 
as the lady we were discussing she interposed with a quiet wave of one hand yes in some points very much so you notice in particular her scanty hair so thin and poor though she is young and good-looking it is certainly rather a feeble crop for a woman of her age i admitted and pale at that and washy precisely it's done up behind about as big as a nutmeg now observe the contour of her back as she sits up there it is curiously curved isn't it very i replied not exactly a stoop nor yet quite a hunch but certainly an odd spinal configuration like our friends once more like our friends exactly hilda wade looked away lest she should attract the patient's attention well that woman was brought in here half dead assaulted by her husband she went on with a note of unobtrusive demonstration we get a great many such cases travers put in with true medical unconcern very interesting cases and nurse wade has pointed out to me the singular fact that in almost all instances the patients resemble one another physically incredible i cried i can understand that there might well be a type of men who assault their wives but not surely type of women who get assaulted that is because you know less about it than nurse wade travers answered with an annoying smile of superior knowledge our instructors moved on to another bed laying one gentle hand as she passed on a patient's forehead the patient glanced gratitude that one again she said once more half indicating a cot at a little distance number seventy four she has much the same thin hair sparse weak and colourless she has much the same curved back and much the same aggressive self-assertive features looks capable doesn't she a born housewife well she too was knocked down and kicked half dead the other night by her husband it is certainly odd i answered how very much they both recall our friend at lunch yes extraordinary see here she pulled out a pencil and drew the quick outline of a face in her notebook that is what is central and essential to the type they have this sort of profile women with faces like that always get assaulted travers glanced over her shoulder quite true he assented with his bourgeois nod nurse wade in her time has shown me dozens of them round dozens baker's dozens they all belong to that species in fact when a woman of this type is brought in to us wounded now i ask at once husband and the invariable answer comes pat well yes sir we had some words together the effect of words my dear fellow is something truly surprising they can pierce like a dagger i mused and leave an open wound behind that requires dressing travers added unsuspecting practical man travers but why do they get assaulted the women of this type i asked still bewildered number eighty seven has her mother just come to see her my sorceress interposed she is an assault case brought in last night badly kicked and bruised about the head and shoulders speak to the mother she'll explain it all to you end of chapter three part one read by lars rolander